Hi everyone, so I wanted to just make a quick announcement. Uh, we had some technical issues with the podcast earlier today with Jordan Schachtel. I wanted to uh, just kind of fix those, so we've replaced the track, so it should be much easier to listen to now, but just wanted to kind of put this disclaimer ahead that uh, this is the same podcast that was posted earlier today. It's just been edited for clarity and to make sure that the uh, audio sounds better. So thanks very much and enjoy the episode. All right. Well, welcome to the Unmasked podcast. We've got a very special guest today. Uh, I've got Jordan Schachtel, who you uh, have probably seen on Twitter, or if not, you uh, hopefully are reading his incredible substack, The Dossier, which I cannot remind, re- recommend highly enough. It's fantastic. Um, so I just wanted to bring Jordan in because we uh, recorded a podcast for his channel uh, a few months ago. And I thought it would be interesting to kind of revisit the predictions we made back then and uh, just get his thoughts on where this is going and, and what's been happening in the last couple of months as the fall and the winter has really uh, heated up here. <laughs> so welcome, Jordan. And thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, Ian, the pleasure's all mine. Thanks so much for having me on. And I, I really like the name of the podcast. Unmasked is really perfect to coincide with this upstep. <laughs> it's, it's very uh, creative naming strategies here. It's uh, just the same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> um, so my first question I had for you, uh, you were one of the first people I found early on in COVID that was very skeptical of everything and, and especially like the severity of COVID and, and how effective all these measures were. So what made you skeptical initially? Was there something that you came across uh, or is it just kind of a natural inclination or what was it? It was just kind of a perfect storm for me based on my background and limited knowledge of the field. Um, you know, I've been working the past decade in international affairs or reporting on foreign policy. So always kind of like keeping an eye on what's going on around the world. And it's like this thing happened and I'm already, I've you know, my preset uh, ideology, I'm deeply skeptical of things that the Chinese Communist Party says. And I, I just like didn't buy this narrative immediately early on that all there was all this weird stuff happening, you know, with all these, uh, videos of people supposedly dropping dead in the streets and then the Chinese government saying you know they wanted to uh, lock down everyone and that was the way to stop the virus and there was just all these like you know preconceived notions that didn't make any sense so I started to do a lot of research on this front really early on when all the people were like spewing all this crazy shit about what we need to do to stop the virus it didn't match anything uh, from what I was reading, and that's when I started to like, you know, really question all of these false premises. That's yeah, that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, there's been a, I've seen, come across a number of people who have initially said they were skeptical because of what was coming out of China, and yeah, that's probably a really underrated part of all this is that, you know, a lot of these Western governments started following the lead of China for some reason. <laughs> um, And that kind of leads into my second question, actually, which is, you know, I get a lot of feedback on this and I'm I'm sure you do as well. And I want to get your thoughts on it. So generally with the motivations behind the policies, that's kind of what I wanted to ask about. Like, 
with people like Fauci, people, you know, uh, Walensky, all these others, worldwide governments. Do you think that there is some like malice involved at this point? Is it a incompetence? Is it a combination of both? Like, what are your thoughts? I think it's definitely a, a blast. The uh, the last option. Uh, it, it depends who specifically you're talking about. Um, I'm not one who believes that this was some kind of like sophisticated design plot and you know Fauci was in on it day one and he was working in concert with the communists to uh, basically steamroll what was left of individual liberties. I don't necessarily buy that narrative. I think perhaps there are some people that had early awareness of all this craziness and like had information related to like let's say what was going on in the lab in Wuhan but um, yeah I, I think a lot of these people they're just they have this idea that totalitarian solutions will fix all the problems in the world and Fauci, Walensky, etc really come from this school of thought and in addition to that these people uh, in my view have been living their best lives so they don't really want this to stop so all the incentives are just placed in all the wrong uh, areas right now and and that's I don't buy the global conspiracy thing mostly because I do not think of these people as highly intelligent. They're highly motivated to you know consume a lot of power, but the idea that they can like still pull off like this like heist of the century without any of us being aware of it, uh, it would be very. I'm very skeptical of those kind of ideas. Right. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. I think it's just. A lot of incompetence, a lot of groupthink, a lot of just following the herd. You know, Italy locked down, and that meant Europe, the rest of Europe could lock down too, and just kind of all fell into place. Um, and, and that's also related to my third question, which was kind of as a result of the failure of these policies, which I think one of the only like positives that we've seen in the last couple months has been that all of these areas that did everything right have just completely failed in in the last few weeks, last few months, New York and et cetera. So I, I want to get your thoughts on this because you come from a little more international affairs background, political background. Would it be better if the politicians at this point just admitted and said, look, we messed up. We thought it would work. We listened to the experts. They didn't know what they were doing. We apologize. It's time to move on. Or is it better to do what they've been doing, which is just kind of like, deny reality and you know keep doing more and more mandates <laughs> like what is it is the political fallout better for them if they deny reality or if they just admit the truth yeah i think that that's the issue that you hit on is that it is not politically advantageous to admit that this has just been a giant horrific sunk cost that has harmed uh, hundreds of millions, if not billions of people around the world, that so many people have lost their jobs, people have lost their lives because of these government interventions. Uh, for, and that's why you see the politicians uh, who all committed to this idiocy, just doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on it. I think they're mostly I mean, you have people like Fauci that are just like insane and, and delusional and psychotic and, you know, continue to believe in this stuff. But I feel like most of the people connected to the Biden administration 
they, they know exactly what's going on. They know that none of this stuff is actually working, but they prefer to lie to the American people. And this is happening across Europe. Um, luckily, that a lot of people are waking up because in the beginning, you know, a lot of people bought into this narrative. But the problem is that you know, there's still so many people who believe that the government is out to take care of them, that the government would never lie to them on this scale. Um, but yet, it's just like these sunk costs continue to build. And the incentive for the politician is to continue to lie. Um, and I, I hope that they can just find a way without doing more damage. But it seems they seem totally invested in, you know, it, whether it's um, masking uh, school children or, or giving, uh, you know, experimental shots to two year olds. They seem totally committed to this insane COVID regime. And they just, you know, they, they've calculated that their political careers are more important than the lives of you know, their own citizens, which is shameful. And, and I do look forward to, you know, more people waking up and recognizing this horrific reality because these um, politicians have, you know, absolute hell to pay for. And uh, <laughs> like all these, uh, you know, memes on social media about the Nuremberg 2.0, we really do need a Nuremberg 2.0 to hold these people accountable because they, they know that their policies are failing, especially like the, the, the smarter ones know that nothing really works. Uh, all that garbage that they endorse and continue to endorse, they're knowingly lying and it's a huge problem and it's a human rights atrocity at this point. Yeah. And so one of the things that we talked about uh, on your show was a trend towards people kind of being like red pilled, for lack of a better word, um, and what you just mentioned. And like, do you think that that trend is accelerating as all this stuff like fails in real time right now over the winter? Excuse me, the winter. Or are people like digging in their heels and kind of doubling down more? Not not the politicians necessarily, but just, you know, general public. What's your sense on that? Yeah, I'll admit that I have a little bit of bias because I've been living in Florida for the entire year. And <laughs> I see fewer and fewer people complying. Like there's a CVS right near me that has reinstituted these mask policies but very few people are actually wearing the masks anyway. Like people have just chosen just not to accommodate it. But if I, you know, I flew to Washington D.C. a couple months ago now, or like more over Thanksgiving, and everyone's masking up. Everyone's talking about their booster appointments. So I guess it depends on where you live. But in terms of like the quantity, the, uh, the quantity of people or the percentage of people. Um, as a percentage of the total population, the, the team reality side is, is absolutely, you know, moving in the right direction. I think that's very clear. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's encouraging that I kind of get that sense as well, but I'm always curious to see uh, what other people are thinking. Um, it kind of relatedly, have you been surprised over the last two years by what people are willing to put up with as far as these mandates and policies and because i think you know and the team reality discussions we thought many times over the last couple of years like or at least some of us did oh this will be the last straw like they can't get away with doing double masking like people will start to wake up and and realize this is a joke but have you been surprised by what people have been willing to continually tolerate absolutely um, even to the point where it seems that some people some societies of people, depending on their ideology, they almost prefer to be told um, by the government or by, 
you know, this bureaucratic fake expert class exactly what to do in their lives. Like that's what makes them comfortable is to be uh, an ideological prisoner to the government and basically act as if they're, you know, in this country, act as if they're not Americans and that they should, you know, they should just join the Chinese Communist Party and take direction from government because they just like are, are in no sense of the word are these people Americans or thoughtful people or, you know, have any type of self-respect. Like, I just can't, I couldn't believe how many millions of people in this country just um, continue to embrace this nonsense. And it definitely um, even goes as far as to challenge the way, I, I don't know if you agree, but to challenge the way that I think about human nature. And it provided a much needed um, perspective in, in real time about past historical atrocities and how they happened and how people ended up complying because it seems like when you induce or when you introduce this this fear element um, and tell people that government has a solution people will do a lot of crazy things to uh, supposedly protect themselves from this perceived problem yeah i completely agree uh it really has changed my view of human nature and i think i'm sure this has happened for every generation but i think you kind of assume that the modern world is smarter in many ways because of technological changes and you know just the the proliferation of information and we think that oh you know we've learned our lessons from the past we won't let these kinds of things happen again but you hit the nail on the head. We absolutely will if the government and the kind of like cultural groupthink is powerful enough to tell people that atrocities are necessary. Um, and that's exactly what we've seen is like, you know, these governments and these experts keep have told everybody we have to do lockdowns. We have to do put masks on two year olds uh, in order to prevent covid. And it hasn't worked and people have tolerated it. It was also like a real test of um, cultural brands and national identities, like the, the hit that the Australians and that even, you know, I'm, I'm very pro-Israel, but the hit that the Israeli government took, like it, it, it's, it's frankly embarrassing. So like if, if I were to be associated with these people, I would be embarrassed about it because they've just put up with this ridiculous totalitarianism. And it's just like... It, if someone, it, when you thought of like these, um, I guess these these cultural ideas before COVID nineteen, you would think like a, as New Yorkers, you know, as the, as the people who were tough after nine eleven and had a spine and would never um, adopt these principles, but apparently that is not the case. <laughs> and and I, I, I'm just like so disgusted as a, as a supporter of Israel with how the Israeli government has reacted to this and essentially signed off their country to the pharmaceutical company named Pfizer and how Australia has basically like turned into a police state and Australians, the majority of Australians are like total compliant losers who are just like crying about people not following the rules it's just like embarrassing. It's so cringeworthy. I just like can't believe that these are the people that I used to think were like admirable, and uh, you know, it really makes you challenge your assumptions about not only like cultures and nations, but you know, entire 
ideas like what does it mean to be a part of the west nowadays is australia part of the west is new zealand part of the west i, I don't know yeah it's uh, a great point um and i actually kind of wanted to ask you about that as well because i read your recent piece about novak djokovic and then it comes out today that he he won and he will be competing in the australian open and so do you think that that shows a bit like even if you even in australia which has kind of sacrificed most of their freedom to this insanity uh, if you do stand up and fight back will they fold or is that more of a unique case because of who he is I think the timing was also really good with the Djokovic thing. I mean, like you, you put the best, uh, you know, the most easily readable charts out there on, on you know, the, the government policies related to masks and vaccine mandates and such. And I think it was well-timed because Australia's, like, you know, COVID cases and all this, the met- all their COVID cases are through, and metrics are through the roof right now. And here comes Novak Djokovic um, during this time. So the idea that they can be like, oh, my goodness, you know, he's uh, he's going to spread the plague to all of us. It's like, well, you know, they're already all getting COVID anyway. So I think that that definitely um, played into that decision to, um, well, I guess the judge made a decision, but it's still not clear exactly what. I, I think the Australian regime may take some, may attempt to take some punitive action against Novak and even there's some rumors out there that they're going to go as far as to try to still kick him out of the country even though he's like the winningest uh, Australian Open champion ever um, because they're just like terrified of the prospect that he you know this guy who stood up to them and beat them um, unlike the unvaccinated people who still can't leave the country in Australia you still need your papers your and your uh, you know your proof of vaccination to leave the country which is like so authoritarian and ridiculous but anyway, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that at least uh, Djokovic's example um, allows for more Australian people to to grow a spine and stand up to their ridiculous totalitarian government. Yeah, it's a great point. They, if you look at the chart of Australia right now, I mean, they're reporting an insane amount of cases i mean by any standard not just by australian standards anymore it's i mean it was like one and a half million cases in the u.s the other day it's just completely failed so pretending that one person especially when we now know that there is essentially no difference between vaccinated and unvaccinated in terms of transmission potential uh pretending that one person is is going to endanger the whole country is just mind-boggling but perfectly fitting for what Australia has become over the last two years. Um, so kind of coming back to the U.S., I, uh, when I was re-listening to our episode, uh, you asked me where I thought this was heading coming into fall and winter. And, you know, we were already starting to see a little bit of like restrictions coming back, like L.A. had reinstated, reinstated mask mandates. Um, and I said, you know, New York and California, I could see masks coming back and restrictions coming back. And Boy, did that age well, huh? So my question to you is, you know, we kind of saw where this was going. How do we keep getting it right? And how do the other people who are supposed to do this as their literal one job keep getting it so wrong? Yeah, I think it's like a two part answer. So the first part is that the the field of public health is is essentially a, a fake. It's like a pseudoscience. You have better luck uh, using astrology, you know, predicting 
outcomes with the stars than you are because it's like you might be right on accident. These people are so horrifically dumb on this stuff that like, you know, they, they keep making it. Well, for, you know, to be honest, like those of us who looked at the data, it's easy to get out in front of these people because, you know, you have like, as you pointed out a few times, you have a guy like Fauci saying that, um, you know, that we're pretty much done, you know, if everyone just gets these shots and then we just look at the data in like Israel or like one of the first mover countries and we're like, well, you know, it doesn't seem like that stopped the spread, but Fauci's saying otherwise, I'm going to rely on, you know, my common sense and the fact that there's going to be another, you know, winter seasonal respiratory illness coming. So it's pretty easy to get out in front of these people because they're all like clowns and they all believe that, you know, they can, they can move the clouds in the direction that they want to, or, you know, change the weather at will. Uh, that's like the equivalent of their thinking on viruses. Um, and it really makes me question, like, what exactly is the agreed upon science on this stuff anyway? But that's for another day. Uh, but it's just, you know, these people have been so shockingly wrong about everything. So it wasn't that much of a stretch to just say that, you know, they're going to be wrong again and we're still going to be dealing with this perhaps every winter, like we don't have, unfortunately, I wish we had a cure to this stuff, but it's very clear that we don't have a cure to this. So they claim they did, but you know, the results speak for themselves. Yeah. And that's, uh, that kind of brings up a related question I wanted to, uh, to bring up, which is like, what is the actual end game for places like California and New York and Illinois? Because anybody paying attention can see like you're saying you know none of this is working none of this is ending the pandemic which is the term that everybody likes to bring up you know are we just going to have permanent masking in these kinds of areas is there a limit to how many years they can continue to get away with this just in your opinion yeah like the people on the um the statists love to say like oh you better get used to the mask because they're going to be around forever and sadly, sadly, they might be right. You know, I was talking about this um, with, with some uh, friends the other day. And sadly, I think that, like, this mask thing is going to be the same as, like, taking your shoes off at an airport. Like, there's really no reason why you need to put your shoes through security. But, like, it's just, like, sadly going to become a standard. Like, there's so much money in this COVID regime to be made. Um, and in areas, like... Uh, California, New York, Chicago, um, even a lot of Miami, sadly, um, people have like adopted these rituals and it's going to take, a, I think, a long time for them to recognize that they don't work and that they're just destructive. I mean, when you think about it, like in, in the context of these other big policies, like say the war in Iraq, it took a solid a decade, I guess, or more to build up like significant resistance or a widespread adoption of the position like, hey, that was probably a bad idea. So it takes a while to get these things going. And, and then the best thing people can do is just you know, get out of these places where people so strongly adopt the COVID narrative. And I know it's not possible for everyone, but, you know, I think it's just it's it's the easiest way to bring your sanity back. It's just kind of physically are so nuts and they might be nuts for a while yeah it's uh living in one of those places i can tell you it is uh it's tough it's tough to take at times um and you brought up israel where 
they've already authorized a fourth dose for the vaccine. I don't know if they've already been rolling it out, actually. Um, we're seeing that potentially coming here as well. So how many booster shots do you think we get to here in the next within, you know, the, the vaccines have only been out for a little over a year. So how many uh, do we get to in the next two, three years? So Pfizer's bet really big on this. Um, one of the good things, uh, you know, Project Veritas, they're hit or miss sometimes, but they really nailed is when they did these undercover interviews with Pfizer employees. And a lot of, and quite a few of them explained that Pfizer has reoriented itself into a COVID-19 company. So it's very much invested monetary, they have an incredible monetary investment in, continu in the continuation of COVID mania, which means that they will sell these shots forever if they have buyers. What I hope is that governments stop buying this stuff um, because to me, it's, you know, just robbing the taxpayers blind. I'm happy if they want to, you know, make stuff available to taxpayers and if people want to pay out of pocket for this uh, stuff, they can choose to do so. But I, I think as long as there is a product to be sold and it could be a while that, um, you know, we'll continue to see these shots and booster shots and, and pills now, pills is a big one. The government's already spent, like, the U.S. government spent like $20 billion between Merck and Pfizer on these pills. I don't know how they're going to distribute it, but, you know, they're big on the pills now. But now the, the CEO of Pfizer said today that, you know, they got an Omicron shot, but it's not going to be available until March. So, you know, they're doing shots, they're doing pills, they're, they're trying to sell as much product as they can. <laughs> it's, it's really crazy when you think about that the original premise was that it was a two doors two dose vaccine series and now we're up to four so we've essentially doubled the initial series and now we're talking about a a totally separate one designed for this new variant so it, it's just crazy to imagine how the go posts have moved um and that was one thing i wanted to ask you about as well it seems like when experts shift the goalposts, like now the big turn has been, oh, cloth masks don't work. We're willing to admit that. But N95s, those work and we have to do it. You know, LA County Public Health put out a, a press release basically saying that students were strongly encouraged to wear surgical or N95 masks and well-fitted masks and cloth masks were, you know, basically not effective. Uh, you know, the media has got to be complicit in letting them get away with moving these goalposts and never going back and saying, hey, wait a second. Does that mean that the cloth masks we were told to wear for two years were useless the whole time? Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to me because I was, um, you know, in, in my early 20s, I was a firefighter and firefighters, when they go into, you know, houses that are on fire, wear self-contained breathing apparatuses. So you have your own oxygen tank. And the only way to prevent like shit from getting into your mask is to have like a perfect seal which requires your own oxygen tank so what they're saying with these n95s basically is that like you know you're just gonna like deprive children and teachers uh, of a little more oxygen just for like the small chance that maybe they won't get infected with the with the with the disease but the problem is you know as this has been studied it's very clear that like the virus is so small that it just goes through these openings anyway. So the only real solution uh, to to not, you know, get inhale a virus is to actually have like your own oxygen tank. 
could walk around with that. And it's, it's, I don't even want to bring this up. I, just, right. I was thinking about not bringing this up because it's so absurd. And maybe like you know they'll take this idea to its uh, you know to the furthest extent and start mandating oxygen devices for everyone. But it, it, it's so it's so insane that they think that like you know these things are going to work. Like these dirty, disgusting masks that everyone wears outdoors. And it's just like you're still not even coming close to showing evidence of these things working to stop viruses. Um, there's just, as you've pointed out for like almost two years now, there still remains like zero evidence that these things even contribute 1% better um, outcomes towards, you know, solving the spread of a virus. Yeah. Uh my first thought is please don't give Los Angeles any ideas because I could absolutely see them asking everybody to carry around an oxygen tank, uh, into grocery stores and at schools and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's insane to, to go back and look at what they were all saying about cloth masks, um, and what they're saying now. It's, it's just incredible. Um, so I recently, uh, read your post about the Supreme court, on your Substack, which was great. And you know, how misinformed they were about the COVID numbers and, you know, there's a hundred thousand kids are hospitalized. You know, how, how does that happen? Like who, who do we blame for allowing one of the most important people in the country and, and by extension, really the world to be that misinformed about reality? It goes to show a couple of things. One, that our institutions are so shockingly broken and they we just need like our own great reset, you know, not the World Economic Forum great reset where we own nothing and we're happy with bugs, but like an actual institutional reset where we have people um, in power and better ideas that are, you know, advocating for our actual interests. Um, but you know, the Supreme Court, that it's very interesting. I, I think that one of the reasons why they're so misinformed is that there has been this incredible censorship regime that has taken out a lot of our friends and acquaintances, and you know, we remain on Twitter for now. But the vast majority of like good ideas, or or, or even people that were advocating for like doing nothing, even they were kicked out, off of Twitter. I mean, you definitely there, there are some there are a lot of sacred cows. And, and it turns out that, you know, the, the sacred cows that they're protecting is actually they're protecting people from knowledge related to viruses and the pandemic and all these supposed facts that are not true. We have this um, the flow of free information is completely blocked off. And I think that's one of the main reasons why the Supreme Court and the clerks are getting their information from, are, you know, they're. they're peddling like laughably stupid and false information because a lot of people just don't know the facts uh, because they don't have access to them. You know, they just don't. Sometimes this, this issue, unfortunately, requires like, you know, you have to look at every single thing these officials are saying and see if they're true or not. Like, this, it's just the people in positions of power are, are lying and, and these, these uh, institutions that have been set up to fact check or to spread information are really just um, operating as echo chambers in this moment. Right. That's uh, it's one of the things I've kind of brought up repeatedly is that when you have uh, outlets that are determined to have credibility and those outlets aren't credible, it's you're just going to have this, this 
endless problem. Um, you know, corporate executives and the Supreme Court and politicians and uh, universities, you know, they all get their information from the same places. And those places have just lied outright or done a terrible job covering the truth. And you just get these horrific results and misinformation uh, as an inevitable result, I guess. Um, so I just had two kind of quick questions that are both kind of connected. Um, realistically, my sense in the United States is that they're going to try to change, you know, the messaging. We're already seeing that kind of happen now with the CDC saying, oh, you know, 75% of deaths were seriously unwell already. But that like fundamental change in U.S. federal policy won't happen until we have an entirely new administration. Is that accurate, you think, or is that off base? Um, oh, man, that's such a long time away. <laughs> that would be, I, I, I hope not. I, I hope that they're using um, it, it goes back to the sunk cost problem. Like they have to pretend that things are working because otherwise it'll reflect poorly in politicians. Um, on the optimistic side, if they do try to use the CDC as a scapegoat, an institution that they entirely control, by the way, especially because the bureaucratic state uh, is friendly to the Democratic Party. The Republican Party, it's kind of like more of an adversary. But um, yeah, I, I hope that, I'm in, that something will turn around because I think they're genuinely looking at their polling and they're seeing like, okay, so it's become deeply unpopular to keep schools closed. So maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. But yeah, the momentum's certainly on our side. So hopefully the politicians will adjust. But in terms of like wholesale recognition that these ideas failed, yeah, well, I think it will definitely, I think you're right. It will definitely take at least uh, a, a turn of administration for sure. Yeah, that's my, it's kind of, it's my sense. And it's, it is scary to imagine that it could be that many years more of this, but uh, anyway, that seems where it seems like it's heading. Um, so belatedly, my last question for you was, you know, I have a lot of followers and people that are from all over the world, you know, the United Kingdom, from Europe, uh, from all over the Australia, everywhere. Um, you know, we, I think that there is some more hope in the United States, but a lot of these countries have, have gone further than we have in terms of restricting people from society and, and all these other ridiculous measures. Do you have a sense of when the rest of the world goes back to normal? Like when you or I get on a plane to the to London, to Paris, and we don't have to prepare 30 documents proving our uh, supposed health status before we land? This is a tough one because I think some nations are broken beyond repair and others will probably can hopefully revert back to some semblance of normalcy. Like I have no idea how Australia is just going to like, you know, wipe away what they're doing now with like sending the military to inject children with COVID vaccines and lock locking down the unvaccinated. And, you know, this is happening in a lot of Western Europe too. Um, and I think it's just a sign, sadly, of the decline of Western civilization. By Western civilization, I mean like countries that were associated with Western ideals that no longer practice them. And it has been a wake-up call that, um, you know, a lot of Western Europe and the Anglosphere has become something that's totally detached from the West. So while they may revert back to some form of more open, fair, you know, liberal democracy, 
I, I think a lot of these states, a lot of these nations are irreparably broken, but there are other nations out there that have, you know, consistently fought this stuff. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of hope for other places. And I think there's been so many individuals who have been awakened to this madness that, you know, maybe they can grow their own political movements and reverse course in, in some sense that they can, you know, do so within their own communities and then, you know, go, go after the big nation state elections and whatnot. But I, I think it's just a sign of big time decline on this part of the West. It's the COVID mania has been a sign of a clear sign of China's rise and China's influence. And it, it gives us a moment to kind of like reassess where the world is at. What are the health, who are the healthy players left on the world stage and you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it is a uh, very scary, <laughs> fascinating time to be alive. And uh, yeah, it, it feels like there are some areas where we can be hopeful of sanity prevailing in the long run and and some like you say with australia where you know is there any any hope of them ever kind of waking up and just coming back to normality but uh anyway i want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time uh as i said you can find jordan on twitter and uh the dossier and Substack, which is fantastic and jordan talks about more than just covid which is uh, hard to remember sometimes that there's other things in the world and but he does an amazing job of covering all of it and so uh thank you again jordan and we'll talk to you soon, talk to you soon. yeah thanks so much and thanks for your good work as well i appreciate it